0: All right. And while that's going around, let's um let's pray for illumination. Let the good news come now, O Lord, not in word only, but in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full assurance. Amen. So I'll show you. Um I brought two crutches, uh, so one of them is a Bible that's got an index in the back, which our Pew Bible doesn't, and the other is our Book of Confessions, by which I am ever guided um, but uh, but we'll see if we can do this with the uh, Pew Bible, so those are in case of emergency, break glass so all right, I will call out page numbers um, as as we go, so Look at them all, oh my goodness, all right, so, all right, yeah, keep passing them forward if you want, Um, pass them that away, and Sharon will put them in the basket, okay, all right, oh my goodness, look at all the writing, okay, all right, all right, here is a question, it says, um, should I name the person who asked the question? all right i i will i 'll take silence as no, <laughs> okay, because <laughs> you 're all thinking, wait, I sent one in too all right, so um, the question is this: Christians often tithe, but is it okay for poor people to give more like five percent, and should rich people give more like fifteen or twenty percent? Well, that is a great question um, so uh, uh, I should look up where the tithe is all right. Um, all right, the, the verse that comes to my mind is from the Old Testament, but then I'll, I'll tack on a New Testament verse. So um, let me encourage you, uh, if you've got a pew Bible handy, uh, I'd like to look at Micah, which I never know where it is. It's toward the back of the Old Testament. If anyone else can find it for me, that would be great. So Micah, six. so 860-something, so okay, so we're looking at, uh, page 866, about here, about, uh, anyway, toward the end of the Old Testament, 866, and, um, uh, and that's not even the one I want. So let's switch to a different page. <laughs> alright, alright. Instead, go to the very end of the Old Testament. Um, so the end of Malachi, page 890, page 890. All right, so I want, to, I want to contrast Old Testament and New Testament thinking on the tithing. So um, Malachi 3, verse 8 says, um, this is page 890, uh, listen for God's word to you. Will anyone rob God, yet you are robbing me? But you say, how are we robbing you? In your tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into my storehouse so that there may be food in my house and thus put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you an overflowing blessing. I will rebuke the locust for you so that it will not destroy the produce of your soil and your vine in the field shall not be barren, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will count you happy for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. So um, that's the verse that I always think about for tithing because tithing is an old testament um command uh, the idea is that you you give money to support the work of uh, god's people in the the ritual life of the community uh there is actually a number of tithes uh, one of the things the tithe did is it supported poor people it was the social safety net of israel so um we do a little of that here but nothing like what our government does you know i don't know what the total budget of uh uh transfer payments is at the federal or state level but uh, obviously, the church is not doing as much of that today as it did in Old Testament times. But the idea was that people gave willingly uh, to support the things of God, which included works of compassion. So that is what the Old Testament says about the tithe. What the New Testament says, let me see if I can find a verse, um, kind of a go-to verse. Um, so, uh, I'm trying to think of one. Um, so, um turn to Galatians the book of Galatians Where do I want this So So uh this is page 188 in the in the back section the New Testament section So page 188 uh, toward the end of chapter 2 just above chapter 3 it says um Through the law, this is verse 19, For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to Christ. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And the life I now live, in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if justification comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. So very strong statement by, by the Apostle Paul. He says, if you are... Giving a tithe or anything else to God, uh, your, your works of obedience or your works of generosity, uh, to God as a means of earning your salvation. He, what he says in the, in the context of the letter is don't bother, you're not gonna succeed. But he says if you do it, then you are refusing the route that Christ offers. So Paul says very clearly, um, tithing is optional. It, he is, he is, taking what Malachi said in chapter uh, 3 we just read, who says, you know, you're robbing God. And he says, no, you cannot win God's um, heart by by your behavior. So um, he says, it's Christ who lives in you. Now, what does that mean? What's the application? Here's the application. Um, uh, give generously in chapter... Uh, do I want to give one more? Uh, yes, one more. Okay, so in chapter... Uh, just turn back two pages... So, on page... All right. All right, three pages. So, the very bottom of page 183, uh, Paul says um, in chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians, the point is this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your own mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So, what what Paul says in the second letter to the Corinthians is um, not only that you're free from the law, but he says specifically you should give what you've made up your own mind. there is no uh, a limit that you should try to hit in the church um, so in in Christianity, uh, you give basically what you can do cheerfully he promises blessings as did Malachi on people who do that basically you cannot outgive God but there is no requirement. Um, there's no requirement for rich people to give more. There's no requirement for poor people to give less. Give what you can do cheerfully, and see whether or not God um, uh, blesses you more than than you um, than you blessed God. Uh, that doesn't mean God will necessarily reward you with money, but it means God will bless you. There's actually a church um, I, I admire. Um, and I've talked about it here, and Zarek Selby convinced me I shouldn't do this. Um, he said that that's that's actually uh, dishonoring God. But um, but what they do at this church is they tell you um, set a set a giving goal, uh, and then and then each week give the, give to that goal, and at the end of ninety days evaluate it, and if you don't feel that God has blessed you during those 90 days more than the, the amount that you blessed God with your money, then come to the church office and they will write you a check for your giving. So money-back guarantee, I think that that's awesome. Um, and um, and I, I, I have no fear of doing it. Um, you know we're, we're actually running a deficit right now, but I have no fear if you would make that bargain with God that we would have to write you a check because I have no doubt if you approach that with the idea that you cannot outgive God, then you wouldn't outgive God. So that's my belief. It's not our policy, but talk to me if you think it should be. All right. So enough about that topic. Let's move on to another one. All right. There's a big basket full. All right. All right. Okay. All right. So here's one. It says, um, All right, will God answer the prayers of believers for a non-believer? All right, um, so answer the prayers of believers for a non-believer. I'm not sure if I understand that. Is this, um, all right, so I think that the question is, will God answer the prayers of a non-believer? Or is it of the prayers concerning a non-believer uh, by a believer. Okay, alright. So, um, so will God answer prayer? Um, yes, God will. Um, and, and, um, what is it? Uh, alright, let's turn to James 5, which is on 231. Alright. Alright. Um, Where's the verse I'm looking for? So, James 5, verse 13. So, page 231. Are any among you suffering? They should pray. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up. For anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, so that you might be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Uh, Elijah was a human, and there's a, a, a text there. Um, so, uh, what what James is saying is when you've got problems, including uh, problems with people that you you would you would um, uh, they don't know God, but um, but uh, you have, a, you have a concern or they have a concern that they 've shared with you. we can certainly be in prayer for them. Uh, James has a very strong statement about uh, the efficacy of prayer, how effective prayer is and I have one more I want to read from the Old Testament if I can find it quickly um, it 's uh, in second chronicles um, uh, on page three hundred and ninety two in the Old testament section. Um, I love this passage, uh, page uh, page three ninety two in the Old Testament, the Second Chronicles chapter six, verse thirty two. This is an awesome prayer, and if you have people in your life who don't know God, people who may have concerns about whether God loves them, read. Them, I mean, and you know, particularly the Old Testament God, you know, the fire and brimstone God. Um, read them. This 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 is part of Solomon's prayer at the dedication of the temple. He says starting in verse 32 he says likewise when foreigners who are not of your people Israel come from a distant land because of your great name your mighty hand and your outstretched arm and when they come and pray toward this house may you hear from heaven your dwelling place and do whatever the foreigners ask of you Solomon is is has so much confidence in God's goodness and mercy and love that as he dedicates this temple for the people of God he says and by the way, if foreigners who don't even know you, they just heard something about you, if they come here and say a prayer, answer their prayer too. So he says, so that they may know that your name um, has been invoked on the house that i built. So he says, God answers prayers for the most surprising people. Um, so uh, I would say the answer is yes. All right. Um, does that mean God will, you know, there's a second, there's a question hidden in there, which is, if I pray for um, uh, steak for dinner, does that mean I'm going to have steak for dinner? Um, no, but it means God took my advice into account when he planned my dinner tonight. So, um, um, so you know, we don't always understand the way God answers prayers. But um, that's why I often pray that God would give me eyes of faith, that I could see his fingerprints. Um, on the the things that go on in my life, because I don't see them sometimes. Later on, in hindsight, I say, okay, now I understand how God was answering that prayer. But sometimes I'm going through and kicking out all the ones. So somebody sent in about a dozen. So I, I'm not going to do any more from that person. So, um, uh, But thank you. All right, here's one. All right. All right. How are Christians to deal with terrorism? Okay. All right. Well, I, I didn't put this in myself, but um, uh, that's an easy question, isn't it? Um, how do you think Christians should deal with terrorism? You know, in particular, let's suppose that somehow you could, you could find a cause, a source. There was one bad person who was uh, inspiring people to, to do terror, acts of terror throughout the world. If you, could, if you could somehow get to the root of terrorism, what should you do? All right, should you bomb them? you know this is this is a real question, so I mean i 'm not sure that you can find that person, but if you could, should you because um, because Christians have struggled with with um, with how to love your enemies, and if your enemies are blowing people up, um, uh, shooting up nightclubs, doing things like that, what do you do about that? and I would say scripture gives us. Two answers, um, and I'll put them together here at the end. Let me read the, um, the one uh, that, that is probably more familiar to us. So it's um, from uh, Matthew 5. So this is from the Sermon on the Mount. Um, Jesus says, chapter 5, this is page 5 in the New Testament section. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said... You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. So Jesus says, love your enemy, not hate your enemy. So that's what Jesus says. And we have to give extra credit to Jesus. If Paul and Jesus disagree, then Jesus... Uh, is the deciding vote for me at least. But let me let me read what Paul says, because Paul is talking on, on this same point. Um, if you could turn to page 162 in the New Testament. And then I will try to put them together. Um, Paul says on page 162, the beginning of uh, chapter 13 of the letter to the Romans, Paul says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those authorities that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Do you wish to have no fear of the authority? Then do what is good, for you will receive its approval." for it is God's servant for your good. But if you do what is wrong, you should be afraid, for the authority does not bear the sword in vain. It is the servant of God to exercise wrath on the wrongdoer. So, uh, these two passages, one of them says love your enemy, the other says um, be afraid of the authority, because the authority has a sword, uh, a weapon that the authority can use to exercise God's wrath on you. And what... Christians have done for most of the past. I don't know how quickly this this was codified, but there is in Christianity um, a uh, a line of thought called the just war tradition, and what it says is it says you personally have no um, have no right to go make war on anybody, whether it's your obnoxious brother or whether it's uh, somebody living in a foreign country. You, as an individual, as a Christian, should love your enemy. But the authority, when there is a duly constituted authority that is in charge, um, they have the authority uh, to to exercise um, uh, uh, to exercise that authority for the for the public good. Um, this is why. Uh, let me bring it a little closer to home. If, if there's a situation with domestic violence, some people say, well, I should put up with it because I'm supposed to love my enemy. Um, but um, you can argue whether that's true or not. There's actually a separate argument there. But it's really moot for us because our authority is the law of the land. And the law of the land says domestic violence is is illegal. So the authority has a different role in society than you do as an individual. So. Um, there's a, a there's a whole separate argument I could make uh, I think a very good argument against uh, putting up with domestic violence as an individual um, that I don't think that's what Jesus is asking for, but it's really immaterial because it doesn't even come to that because it is illegal in our country to to abuse people uh, to 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 um, uh, there are laws against domestic violence so we have a distinction between what. The authority of society does the state, the president, the government, whatever, whatever you know, kings, emperors, whatever you've got there, whatever that was. There is a, an authority that has its own purpose because God is not a god of chaos. God is a god of order. So there's a role for the government. Now um, I want to close this up and then we'll we'll continue on with the worship service. But uh, part of part of it is authority. Do you have authority as an individual? to conduct a war? No, you don't. Um, Do you as as the president? If somebody elects you president, yes, you have that authority. Um, Within a smaller sphere, if somebody elects you governor, you can't declare war, but there are things you can do as governor and so forth, mayor and so forth. There There are roles that Christians can serve and then exercise the authority for the public good. So one of the tests of war making is authority. Another test is why are you doing it? If you're doing it because there's oil in that country and you just want to conquer it and get the oil, then that's not a good reason. If it is because they are aggressing, that could be a good reason. There's, um, so one of the one of the things is um, uh, what is the cause you're engaged in? Is it is it intrinsically a just cause? You're trying to restore order to a situation that has become chaotic. Um, that that's a good cause. Uh, but even then, that's not enough. You've got to have gone uh, through every possible means of, of generating peace. That if you could preserve peace somehow, that that's another criteria. Um, there's what is the what is the outcome you expect? If the goal is simply to punish them and teach them a lesson and then leave chaos, what's going on in Syria today? Okay, I would not say Syria is a just war because there was no intent um, to to make Syria a better place. It was simply saying we want a change of government. Um, so uh, anyway, you could argue that was I'm 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 not convinced that what's been going on in Syria is a just war. But uh, certainly you would have to have to have the intention that you would make it better. And then finally, how do you do it? You can't go bombing people indiscriminately and so forth. That's why we hear on TV. Somebody says there was a, a targeted drone strike um, and seven non-combatants were killed. Um, if you have taken effort to to make sure that the number of of casualties is minimal, that would be another criteria. If you're just indiscriminately saying, you know, bomb them all and let God sort them out. That would be an example of indiscriminate bombing. And, and that would be an example of how you couldn't do that. So war making terror, uh, things like that are very hard. Let me add something in America. Just so you know, um, you are part of the the authority you you have a role in this because you might get you might get um, uh, summoned to do jury duty uh, if there if the draft was was um, brought back you would be brought uh, unwillingly perhaps into the armed services. There are things that you have a role as a citizen um, where these things affect you personally so there are there are possible ways you yourself might be involved in um, making war on someone, and yet i 'm um, going to close it out with this. Um, all of that is a very cumbersome process, and um, let 's talk about what you 'd do if if it happened to you today. Um, i put this I put this uh, psalm in here because I was hoping I would get this question it 's been on my mind a lot. Um, the, the psalm we opened up with, um, sometimes we read this and we read about God and horns of salvation and rocks of deliverance and so forth. And it's kind of very quaint Bible language. And, you know, what do I do with that? Well, you know, we live in a world where evil is not unrestrained, but is still loose. Um, there are things that evil cannot do. But on the other hand, there are things that evil can still do. And the psalmist gives us words. And ultimately, in any crisis, our real hope is in the Lord. And so the psalmist says, I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Ultimately, our hope doesn't come from the fact that a drone strike will take out the bad guys in some foreign country. It doesn't come from the thought that our first responders will get here in time. Our hope comes to us from God. Um, pay attention to the stories you hear. People give credit to God in some of the most amazing circumstances. You'll hear stories about people who were in a crisis of breathtaking severity. And they say, I prayed and I was delivered. Just like the psalmist does. Um, is that going to convince somebody? You know, If they're a statistician, they're going to say, well, that's random chance. The person prayed the prayer, God delivered them. So, um, like the psalmist says, I call to the Lord. So, what should you do in the event of a terror attack that affects you personally? Um, I would pray to the Lord. Um, trust in the Lord in the worst of circumstances and see what God does for you. Um, Paul says in the book of Philippians whether we live or die, we live for the Lord. So trust that God is good and that God has a plan and a purpose, not just for your life, but also for your death. And with that, let's close. Loving God, we give you thanks for the scriptures that speak to our lives. Um, They're not all academic uh, questions. They're questions that, that apply to us. What do we do with our money? What do you want us to do with your money, with our money? that you have entrusted, your money that you have entrusted to us. What do we do with that? How can we do it well? Lord, um, we give you thanks that we don't have to tithe, but that we get to give generously. Lord, what do we do about terror? Ultimately, Lord, our hope is in you, that, that in Christ you are remaking the world and you will remove all sources of pain and sorrow and every trace of evil. But in the meantime, Lord, we give thanks for our authorities, our magistrates, the, the process whereby we have police and National Guard and uh, armed services of the federal government to maintain order, to restrain evildoers, to not bear the sword in vain. We pray, Lord, that you would bless them in their work, make them your instruments, help them to do only good or as good as can be done in a world full of compromises. We pray protection on those who serve in faraway places. We pray for people whose countries are more are more awash in evil and horror than we can imagine. Um, that even in that darkness you would shine light and you would help us always to be people of peace. We pray all these things through Christ our Lord. Amen.